is this man? This man is not just a teacher, he's more than a preacher, and to call him a prophet would belittle him. This man is a shepherd to his flock, a servant to his neighbor, and a giver to the poor. This man sets free the captives, heals the broken, saves the lost, and redeems sinners. This man loves you and wants to speak to you. This man is not distant, but very near. This man is Jesus. Our victory in life stems from our victor, Christ Jesus. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Christ is the ultimate power and has complete authority over everything in this life. Uh, he won the victory over everything, and then he comes and he resides in us, and that power to overcome is now inside of us. I'm Keith. I'm Drew. This is uh, Faith and Culture. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, if you're getting something out of our sessions or get something out of today's session, uh, please like us and uh, share us with your friends or your enemies. Uh, they might become your friends again. Anyway, we're uh, so glad you're tuned in. We live victorious because the victor is living inside of us. Uh, our game plan is to talk about who is who Jesus is because the world has all kinds of concepts and so many of them are built on I don't know some wild idea I think but the truth of the matter is who he is well he is God uh, and he is for you he is for you and I, I want to read a verse that many people are familiar with Romans 8 31 that says if God is for us who can be against us it's a good verse. Good verse. Uh, but here's the crazy thing is there's a whole lot against you. <laughs> it's just that nothing against you is greater in power than the one who's for you. So it's almost as if, well, they don't, they don't stand a chance. If God is for us, who can be against us? If Jesus, okay, we're talking about this. Just really quick recap. Jesus is who's victor? Our victor. Over what? Over everything. Over everything. Ultimately. Okay. Now, is he just our victor or is he victor? I mean, what is he victor of? Uh, well, we're going to unpack that a little bit here. But yes, we are. You said ultimately over everything. Yes. Okay. And, um, and, and, and when you look at what he talks about here in Romans, uh, it's interesting because Paul uses this statement and then he talks about some things that in the natural we would think. No, they are bigger than we are. They, you know, they would conquer us. Uh, guilt and condemnation. I mean, think about that for a moment. How many people have been defeated by guilt uh, who live self-condemning and are never, never think they're enough? And then he talks about trials and hardships. And I don't know, but if there's ever been anything that I would say, sometimes I thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this, it would be a hardship. That you know, I had to journey through, uh, and then and then he talks about the powers of darkness, which would be everything that's under the umbrella of the enemy of our soul, which is the devil, and and so here's things that he lists, you know, emotional uh, in in the reality of what we live and suffer through in this life, and then the spiritual darkness. It's all about. Uh, He's considered the prince or the governor of this world. And so he's got a lot of power in, in his sphere of, of the earth. And then he takes all of those things, 
So he starts off with a one-liner. If God is for us, who can be against us? And he tells us these things that are literally against us and are things that every one of us will have to deal with. And then he concludes with this. And I love this, Romans 8, 37. No, in other words, look, look at all this stuff. No, it doesn't really matter. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, if there's a powerful passage that can change your whole life, this is one of them. Because God is for you. Yes, all this junk that's called life, all these trials, these problems, all the, the enemy that is against us. But you know what? Doesn't matter because in the end, nope. In all these things that we call living, we are more than a conqueror because of Christ Jesus who loves us. That is an awesome mentality to begin to have about who Jesus is. This is who he is. He is the one who says that I'm for you and nothing that's going to come against you is bigger than my for you that you need to know about. I'm going to go a little futuristic on you here. I can't think it would help bring into Ro uh, Revelations. You know, I think it's Revelations it's five or six where it talks about um, all the saints. Everybody's gathered around. Nobody is worthy to open these scrolls. Nobody is a victor to open these scrolls. And then comes in Jesus, a slain lamb, as it says. He's the only one out of everything ever created, out of everything that just has been in existence. He is the only one, the victor, that can actually open those scrolls. And then everybody just goes bananas and worships. I love it. And I think that just reminds me so much of that. There's nobody else not even can come close to doing what he can do right there. And he is the one who comes into our life and, and changes us. He becomes our, I mean, he's not just the savior of the world. He did, he has that role, but he is the savior of Keith Jones. He is my personal savior. And so when I begin to get that and I begin to understand that the one that overcame everything, the one who is worthy, the victor over everything, is the one who dwells inside of me because of salvation, then I begin to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is your savior if you've given him that opportunity. But then he's also your very best friend. Always, always there for you. He is the guarantee that you will overcome every obstacle. Now, that's not to say there won't be obstacles. He's the guarantee that you will overcome every obstacle. It may and, not look like you think either. Yeah, it may, it may not. And, and, and the reason why that's a promise that he's going to back and is a guarantee to happen is because he is with you. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I got to stop you. Okay. You use the word personal Savior. I can't help but get that one word out of my personal Savior. Even in my life at times as a Christian who's been following Jesus for 20, how old am I? 30 plus years probably, okay? Um, I go back to that word right there. There's been many times where Jesus is a Savior. For everybody. But I always, at times, have to go back 
Now he is my savior, my personal savior. I think we forget that as Christians, even at times when we're going through hardships, when we're going through the things you just talked about, guilt, condemnation, trials, hardships, emotional, just imbalances, fighting different things, whether it's with family, whether it's friends, we forget about the personal side of Jesus so often. And I think that just nailed it. When we brought in revelations and we just talked about he's the savior of everything. That's wonderful. That's powerful. And rightfully so, he deserves all glory, honor, praise. But it really hits a different tone when you stop and you think, personally, that's who he is for me. And you really got to just let that sink in. And if you're listening today with that mindset, let that sink in. If you need to pause it right now, let that sink in. When you say personal Savior, what does that really mean? And just let that sink in and think about that. Because we talked about he's your best friend. Talked about he's he's the guarantee to overcome obstacles in your life. He's always with you in your life. Personal means deep personal. He knows the junk, yet he still is a Savior of it. Yes. Even when we mess up, he's still in our corner. But you know, that whole concept there, you know, probably the best known verse of scripture in the Bible is John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. Okay. I, I'm going to tell you, that's not going to impact your life until you understand for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. Until it gets personal, it doesn't really have an impact uh, because we can't think about, you know, the, the however many billions of people there are on the earth right now. The, the reality is for God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. And, and that's what's so beautiful about it, you know. And the thing is, 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 is he, he commits himself to you and he doesn't, he doesn't back out on that deal. I mean, you think about Israel. Israel I mean, how many times did they mess up? The Old Testament to me is like one mess up after the other. And they just, but he, he made a covenant. He made a promise to them. And even though they may have rebelled against him a hundred times, the truth of it is, is he was always there for them. And one repentance, one turnaround and going, God, I messed up and whoosh. They were back into the his blessings, back into him being able to to help them in whatever their situation was, because he he fully intends to be there for us when we fall, when we repent, when we cry out, uh, when we just seek him for strength, seek him for wisdom. Uh, pursue his heartbeat and find his joy. I mean, he's, he's always there. He never moves. I move. Sometimes I create distance, but he never moves. And the amazing thing is, is I can create a whole bunch of distance. And in one prayer, it's all gone. And we're right back because he never really left anyway. I just was being foolish, which is silly. You know, you probably think, nah, Keith's never foolish. Keith's foolish a lot. Uh, so anyway, think about it. Here's some thoughts that, that I just jotted down because they they were what ran through my mind when I when I was thinking about this. Who has been for you since your conception in the womb? Beside your mama. Who has been for you since you were conceived? Jesus. Who has loved you in spite of your actions? 
Because, see, a lot of times we base love upon our actions, you know. Are we deserving? Uh, but who has loved you in spite of your actions? While, while we were sinners, he still died, loved us. Um, who has been your biggest fan? Who's been in your corner rooting for you all the time? Jesus. Who believes in you so much? And this is one that blessed my heart. Who believes in you so much that he has entrusted his kingdom to you? I mean, that's not like just he gave you the keys to the car. He, he has entrusted you with everything, everything that's his. Yeah, no, just, I mean, Ephesians 2, 6, and God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. That's literally meaning we're with him. That's right. That's crazy to think about. And 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 one more for you. Who has never left you? And I talked about this a minute ago, even though you may have left him. You see, here's the thing. Jesus is for you. Absolutely 100% for you. And to the same token, Satan is against you. 100% against you. Never confuse their intentions. God is always trying to, to help you and guide you and, and be there with you, giving you life and that, that more abundantly. And Satan's always over here with one motivation, and that's to take you out, to steal, kill, and destroy your life. So uh, God wants you to give him his full life. Satan wants to entrap you and destroy you. So who's for you? It is not the devil. It is God. Anyway, now that we've set this truth out there before you, uh, let's talk about uh, how Jesus intends for you to live a victorious life. Okay. Can I add something? Go. I'm ready for this one. All right. All right. I once heard this really cool analogy about how our life and this matches up with what God has done with Jesus and who he is in the picture of us as our Savior. It's like God begins writing on this big old chalkboard. So picture like your student, massive chalkboard, and all of a sudden the professor, which is God, okay, writes on this chalkboard and begins all the way up in the top right-hand corner. He's going to go all the way through, keep going back uh, from left to right, uh, top to bottom, all the way to the very end. Um, he gets halfway done, and all of a sudden he just stops, and he looks at it at a glimpse, and then he walks all the way over to the very corner where he draws a square in the very corner, and he writes the solution. And he writes the answer to the problem. And as he writes the answer to the problem, he just writes one word, one name, Jesus. And he stops, and he smiles. And he just examines it. And then he goes back to the problem and starts writing again. And I love that concept because after God writes it, it means that all things will, no matter what, it's going to sum up to who Jesus is. It's going to sum up to the reconciliation. It's going to sum up to the, the restored nature of Jesus. God then continues to finish that problem, meaning that that's us in time. We already have the answer, the solution to absolutely everything. We have the victor to absolutely everything. We know the end result. Now it's just we're going back through the problem that he's writing the rest of it out. To me, I love that concept because it just brings it into I can actually mindfully fathom what's going on. Very good. Because, yeah, if it, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Yeah. And then 
the last thing in Revelations is come quickly, Lord. <laughs> okay? So really and truly, it's God in the beginning, and it's Christ the solution as he comes and reconciles everything. So, yeah, it's always, always. All right, so God's great plan for the age is Jesus. He's the answer. <clears throat> but he's a pretty big subject. And so uh, I think it'd be good for us to just break it down, the plan, you might say. Let's break it down into some parts. And here's the first one. Overcoming by faith is part of God's salvation plan. Overcoming by faith. Now, we're talking about who Jesus is, and he is for us. And so uh, the first thing I want you to understand is that his plan for you to see how much he's for you is overcoming by your faith. And uh, I'm going to give you a verse, 1 John 5, 4. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, I, I'd encourage you to maybe go back and look at this later. But everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Now, that's just a huge thing to think about. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And then he explains it. And this is that victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So, uh, because he's for us, he has given us a ability to overcome. And that happens through our faith. Genuine, born-again Christians, they live their life by faith. It is a faith life. From the very beginning, when you ask Jesus and believe that he forgives you and, and comes in and is the Savior of your soul, to how you live every day thereafter, it is a walk. It is a life of faith. Uh, I have been serving the Lord for longer than he's been born. And I still haven't seen him. I haven't seen the Lord. And yet I know he's real. And I, I, I have seen him help me overcome. But how has it happened? It's always been because by faith, I keep trusting and holding to him and taking his word as promises that he'll keep. And they have happened. And, and it has been a walk of faith. Living out your faith is what makes you an overcomer. It goes back to this, too, and I want to go back to First John 5, 4. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Not meaning you've been born. Not everybody being born has overcome the world. It's those who are born again in Jesus, right? Right. Okay, just clarifying that. The second part I want to add to that is the understanding that the faith part is not of our own, but the faith is what has been given to us as well. I don't want to take salvation uh, from anything. And I think Paul explains this really well in Ephesians. Everything we have has been because of Jesus. Everything. The victory, the some, the power to even put on the armor of God. It's all because in Isaiah it says that God's already worn the armor itself. And then going forth into overcoming this world, going through all this, our faith is in what he has already done. And not in ourselves that, oh, we can get through this, or he's going to continue to... It's already what he's done. And I want to add that to it. And so that's where that faith, to me, really walks into this play. And just in our lives, it's, you know, what he's overcome the world. And the reason we overcome the world and the victory is because he's already done it. And I think we forget that at times, is that it's what Jesus has done. And it just continues. He's going to do more. Right. 
that's coming, but it's already the victory comes when he's already done. And so that to me just enables that faith to just, for me, it enables it to just go deeper and beyond anything else. So like, I hope it's he's done. There's a big difference in that. Which is, which is really uh, spot on because um, living victorious over sin, over temptation, that is not a, I hope so, maybe so. It is a promise from God that everyone born of him overcomes sin, overcomes the world. Uh, it's, it's there and it's, it's accessible by faith. And the thing is, is it's not, well, I sure hope I have enough faith. And he has given me the faith. And so my faith in him is actually a byproduct of what he has already given to me. So again, he's setting me up to win. He's, he, he's the one that's, that's guaranteeing what is to come. Uh, anyway, to fully understand this, though, uh, you got to put it in a biblical perspective. And so here's the thing I really want you to, to, to grasp. God's victorious life isn't so much about our outward life as it is our inward life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, our, our outward life is pretty much like everybody else's. Okay. I'm getting older. I, I can't do everything I used to do. I can't lift as much as I used to. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, in many ways, my body is just wearing down and wearing out. But my inner life is not on that same trajectory. While my physical life may be going down, my inner life can be ever growing up. Can you elaborate what's inner life mean? Um, my inner life is, is my spiritual life where Christ is abiding in me and I'm abiding in him and uh, his word is, is speaking to me emotionally, helping me to be strong, physically helping me to, to continue to live and do and be obedient. It's, it's, it's who we really are. This, this is like a tent. In fact, that's what Paul calls it. It's like a tent that at some, at some point is just going to literally go collapse. And then you can just fold it up and put it in a, in a, in a grave someplace because it has, it has served its purpose. But the inner me, the spiritual man that God is, is always building and growing and, and, and revealing himself in, that one's never going to cease. Is that the soul? That's the soul. That's the spirit. That's what God has created that is eternal. Body's never been eternal, but your soul, the spirit of God in you, that's your eternal part. Uh, and that's the reason why Paul wrote these words. He said in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, though our outer self, that would be this physical, is wasting away, and mine's wasting faster now than ever before. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. So while I may get up with some extra aches and pains in the morning, my, my inner self, my, my, my spiritual life is being renewed day by day. And I praise God. I might have been stiff when I got up this morning, but the Spirit of God was great. 
And, and as I sat there in my chair and I drank my coffee and I just worshiped him, I was I was being renewed with a greater importance of strength than whether my knees was ready for today, because that's how it works in the kingdom. So you think about it, you know, every this body is it's just it's just dying out little by little. Um, but our spirit is getting stronger. And I praise God that, you know, even though I used to could do this, but physically now I can't do that. In the spiritual realm, I, I wasn't ready for this then, but by the grace and the work of the Lord inside of me, now I'm ready for it at a, at a higher and greater level. So one's going down, one's going up. And praise God, this is where you want to live your life. This is where you want to focus your attention. Um Somebody went out today and exercised and did all those great things, which is fantastic. But you know what? You can have a perfect body. But what's important about you is your spiritual person, who you are in Christ Jesus, yeah. because that's where he's focused. Uh, so anyway, uh, while the aches and pains sometimes tell me that the curse upon the earth is winning, my faith declares that he is at work in me and my eyes will behold his salvation and I will have a new and eternal life in him that's glorious and beyond description. When sin entered, this fun fact, when sin entered in the world through Adam and Eve, <clears throat> we think, well, okay, that sin just now entered into the world. It entered into absolutely every aspect of the world, except for what? Your inner person. Exactly. And that's then written by, saved, and through the process of that redeemed because of a flesh sacrifice. That's the only thing. And that just well, hit me but, but that. Let's go there for a second. Uh, sin even entered into the spiritual life. Because when you stop and think about it, okay, yeah. Adam and Eve were in relationship yeah. with God, and sin broke that. Uh, but God immediately put into motion who? Jesus, to change all that back around. And, and, and that's why he's the answer to all the questions. Um, anyway, but I want you to get this. God's will, his plan, isn't that I live carefree and happy, which is what most people want. His plan is that I overcome evil and that I'm victorious in my spiritual walk, that Satan has no place in governing my days and my life. Um, that's our victory. It's not about living above the physical aches and pains or the poverty line. You know, so many people are they they associate that that Jesus is is blessing, blessing, blessing. Well, you and I know. The greatest blessings of the Lord are never in my pocketbook. They're always in my spiritual development. The greatest blessings is becoming more and more like Christ. The greatest blessings are the peace that passes all understanding in the midst of the greatest pains and hurts. That's the blessings. Um, and we're called to receive blessings, to give blessings. I think that's the whole purpose of this too. And, and I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but it's the idea of, you know, why are we called to not live carefree? Why are we called to live a surrendered life? Why are we called to overcome evil? It's 
to promote out of the abundance of what Christ has done for us, to share what Christ has done for us, to be that hope for other people as well. Yes. And his victory, his victory is not that, you know, I won't have problems. His victory is that I will overcome sin, temptation, and worldly attitudes so that I reflect him in this world like a mirror. That, that when people would look at me, they could see the love, the sustaining power, the grace, the hope, the power of Jesus Christ, and not just Keith. I'm going to say it because I've seen it three times today, Ephesians 5, 1, therefore go and be imitators of Christ. Yes. I just it, that's, why, that's why he wants us to overcome. Yes. Because that's what he wants us to show to the world, and, and the world can imitate that. All right, so here's Titus. Because besides our faith, God's plan is His grace. So besides faith to overcome, He gives us grace to help us overcome. In Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Or bringing salvation, it's available for all people. And look at what it says. It says, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So here's the grace of God. What's the purpose of it? To help us over, overcome. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age when it needs to be lived. So grace was given to us to overcome the ungodly worldly passions. Right. Say, that's the things that actually defeat us. Yes. Okay. And then it also helps us live and walk in the Spirit, in a self-controlled righteous. It's not we do it ourselves. It's we're made righteous through Christ. And that's what helps us live and walk in the life we're called to. So Jesus literally sets up the victory plan for us. Yeah. Okay. That's what's good about it. He's provided everything we need to be in a victorious life because he's already done it. I love that. So again, it's just the idea that we are raised up in Christ and we're seated with him in the heavenly places. That blows my mind still to think that we have victory here, but we also have that eternal victory already secured. And I think that's what's so stunning. The victory isn't by our doing, but it's simply from God's in that whole concept of, I'm going to provide Jesus the answer to have the victory over everything even to live every day. <laughs> That's right. Um, and, and you know, sometimes you get a glimpse of that when you see somebody who is, you know, I, I, I got to visit with a, a, I got used to go to church here and they moved away. And, um, you know, as he was talking about what he's had to walk through with the death of a loved one. Um, you know, what amazed me in the conversation was how he, he, he continued to say, but God is faithful and God has carried me and God has given me joy and, and sustained me. And, and, and that whole mentality that, you know, if, if you were going through the loss of your spouse without the Lord, mm. how, how, how you would almost, you know, think that you could just 
couldn't go on or whatever. And yet in this heavenly realm, there is this supernatural peace and there is this this consolation from God that, you know, what I'm doing is perfect. And you are able to handle that because you know it's perfect. But I want to touch on the other side of that, too. I know some people who go through a death of a loved one and maybe even a child, and they really don't dive into who God is. They don't know him as their personal savior. So they get the idea that God isn't for us. He's against us because he would take something away from us that we love. And I think that's the hard concept going in there. But that's where it goes that you have to understand the personal commitment Christ has given just even to us. He set us up for these things. He's, he wants to bestow these things you just talked about upon us. He wants us to say, no, I'm empowering you to get through these things. That's the understanding that God is for us. And I think that's the sweetness of that. Yes. And 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 the problem and the reason why this is important is because uh, so many people, their theology mm-hmm. is not correct. Yeah. And 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 so in their theology, there is God took my baby, yeah. God took my wife. You know, whatever. Uh, but the Bible says that it's the enemy that that is is a destroyer of life. Okay, uh, they and so it it it's hard for I mean it'd be hard for me to think that God is for me if I also think that God just took my wife away. All right, so that's an improper concept about who God is. God is for you. God is for you, and in and and in the situation where. Um, you know, somebody is so sick that they are on deathbed and, and God in his peace and grace and love takes what the enemy has done for evil, which was physically attack their body. But God in his graciousness says, come to wholeness and perfect health and no more pain when you've lived in pain for years. That's not the God that took the life. That's the God that healed the life and gave her. Because the thing is, no matter how many years I live on this world, on this earth, it is a drop in the bucket for the life that I will live forever. Yes. And so to me, uh, I don't look at death as, as God stealing something from me. I look at it as a promotion. Mm-hmm. Because I know what awaits. And it's better than anything in this world. That's that's where we're getting at. It's the personal relationship. Jesus is personal Savior, not just Savior. It's not God. God is just God. It's God is personal. And I think that's getting into that thing. And that's where um, it's. we talked about, you know, faith and grace. And we talked about all these things. We're called to live a holy life, but we only do that when he becomes personal. And that's why I just encourage, you know, get away from the flesh theology of mindset of simply thinking, well, God is there. Okay, Jesus. Okay, he died for the world. He died for you. He sets you up for victory. It says that he is for you. And yes. that's where you got to dive back into the understanding that it is the personal side of Jesus that he wants to just be with you. And until you understand him on a personal level, yeah. you will always think that he thinks like you do 
that he comes to the same conclusions that you come to. But when you when you when you know him on a personal level and you begin to see what the Bible articulates, that his ways are higher, his understanding beyond our comprehension, then there is that element of, but though I may not understand, I trust you. And if I don't look like I'm winning right this moment, I know that you have made me an overcomer and I will be victorious. It just may be a different victory over a different battle than I was thinking. And that's living in his plan. That's living in his victory compared to the flesh, which we live in pride. We live in self selfishness. We live in the worldly desires that cause us to be defeated. And I love that. That's good. That's good. All right. So now we're, we're, we're putting together the plan of how he's for us. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. But anyway, uh, besides faith and grace, Jesus' plan for us is to live life through the Holy Spirit. Live life through the Holy Spirit. Um, the flesh, that would be my selfishness, my pride, my worldly desires. Well, they will always lead me into a defeat. Okay? My wants will always end up creating a defeat in my life. Um, but Galatians 5.16 instructs us the right way. Walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We overcome the flesh through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how, how do I live this life of, victor of victory? Well, I live it through the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can keep the flesh in check or under control. Because, I mean, the bottom line is, is without the Holy Spirit, um, I'm going to just do the things that I want to do. I'm going to do the things that I desire to do. It's the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what's so beautiful about what Jesus said when, when he was leaving his disciples. He said, I was with you. But he, the Holy Spirit, will be in you. All right? And so that's the beauty of what we have right now is we have the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. We have the Spirit dwelling inside of us so that we have the ability to live overcoming lives through Christ Jesus. Again, faith that he gives me, grace that he gives me, the Holy Spirit that he gives me, all there setting me up to be victorious, yeah. to be an overcomer. It doesn't get any better than that. When we live by faith, with a constant awareness of God's grace and spirit, we understand that it's working inside of us. Then we begin to understand these words. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 57. And I love what Paul says, and I, I prayed that would be something I would always be saying to. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's it. I, I'm not victorious, but he's victorious and he dwells in me. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, a personal Savior and Redeemer. Um, 
All right. So, I mean, we, maybe you think we beat this over the head, but you know what? Listen, Jesus has done everything possible to help you live a victorious life, which he would describe as a life that's full and abundant. Uh, he sets you up to win. So I think my point's been made. Jesus is absolutely for you. Every intention in his heart towards you is good. Every thought about you is beautiful and wonderful. And there's so many of them that they would be more than the sand on a seashore. His thoughts concerning you. Uh, so anyway, you going to say something else? Just the idea we need Jesus in every moment of our life, not just over the to overcome flesh, sinful desire. You need Jesus' victory going to Walmart. And you need him <laughs> tucking your kids in bed when they're, I'm not going to bed, I don't want to go to bed. You need Jesus constantly. And just be reminded, he's a victor over not just this one moment, the next moment, and the next moment, and the next moment. All you need to do is walk through this one moment now in his victory. Then he'll take you to the next one. Just one victory at a time until we get to heaven. That's right. And walk every one of them with three things. Faith, grace, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. If you keep those three things conscious and in, 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 out in front of your, your thinking and, and your walk with the Lord, um, you're guaranteed, you're guaranteed that you're going to see his hand working in your life and you're going to see what used to maybe be more than you could handle. Now you can handle because he's the victory. Uh, listen, if uh, today's been a blessing to you, and uh, please give us the thumbs up. Uh, please share us. And, uh, you know, they're just, there's probably other people that need to hear this because they're also trying to live their faith and culture correctly. So until next time, I'm Keith. I'm Drew. And this has been Faith and Culture.